Hello, and welcome to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast, your spot for everything Dynamo. With me today is Kyle. Hello. Manny. Heyo. And Scroggin. Hello there. The gang tonight is recapping our San Antonio victory and our absolute demolishing of Nashville. Then we'll look ahead at the incredibly busy schedule of your Houston Dynamo. Let's get to it. So we played San Antonio in the U.S. Open Cup, and it was a 1-0 victory. But once again, we looked like we were second-best team against the USL squad, and I need to hear you guys' thoughts. Manny, what'd you think? I agree with you, Sinski, on that, on that, at least on that first half. That first half, we definitely looked like the second-best team on that pitch. Uh, and I called it the week before. You know, I said that San Antonio was going to bring it to us, and they, they definitely did. Uh, even for a USL team, I know that we didn't have all our starters out there, but uh, that first half definitely left something to be desired. Scroggins, how'd you feel about it? Man, it was a snooze fest of a game, to be honest. Um, I think if you want to go back and rewatch the game, just skip straight to like the 60th minute. Uh, we talked about it in the Diner Bros Reacts. It, the game didn't pick up really until the last 30 minutes or so. And after that, we we looked like the more aggressive team. And uh, I'm I'm glad we came out with the win. Uh, I won't say that it's fully deserved, but but we got it. And and that's all that matters to me. And I I will say, surprisingly, Sam Junkwa was uh, part of the goal again. He didn't score it this time, but he sent the ball into Sebis. The commentators made it seem like it was Junkwa that scored, and the cameraman could not take his the camera lens off him, so I was a little confused trying to figure out who scored on that goal. Manny, what do you think about Sam Junkwa's resurgence here in the U.S. Open Cup? Yeah, man. I mean, he two games and two gold involvements. Like, what what more could you want from a left back? <laughs> I mean, he's you know he's technically not even supposed to necessarily be in part of the attack. I wouldn't even say that this team during these games have been set up for the left right backs necessarily to be that involved. He's just, I think, been in the right place at the right time. And uh, yeah, and then we got to see him play again this last week. Um, instead of getting uh, someone else called on, he he got the call in to, to fill in when we got the red card. So I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit, though. Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, just a pleasant surprise for me from that. Kyle, uh, Reigns is looking like a stud in these cup matches. He's a youngster from the Dynamo Dose team. But Naga said... I think we have to give a very honest assessment on Brooklyn Reigns. We have to tell him that he has a long way to go. It's a good start for him, but he hasn't made it. Do you agree with Naga on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that a 17-year-old kid hasn't made it. Uh, you know, <laughs> unless you're like Christian Pulisic or something <laughs> playing at Dortmund. Like we've, yeah, we we can be realistic, and that's fine. I think he's showing very well against people, you know, way older than him with much more experience than him. He's having great performances. He's rising to the occasion with maturity you know, way beyond his years, but for sure, he has a lot of time ahead of him. Uh, you know, Naga is, his background is developing young kids and making them into good players and putting them into good systems. And so I trust Naga's assessment of him and obviously can't wait to see what the team continues to do with uh, Rain's development. Okay. Yeah. And I don't think he can be called up right now anyway. Something with the homegrown status. I don't understand it all that completely, but I think he's got to be on the Dynamo Dose for a year before they'll be able to call him up. Hey folks, producer Ian here with a quick note. After recording this episode, we began seeing rumors that Brooklyn Reigns met his hours requirement and may be available for first team selection. So keep an eye out for that and back to the episode. 
so just very interesting. And I am really excited because I know Naga, um, with that developmental background, is going to have his eye on this young man. And so far, the kid's been very impressive. It's got to be really hard for him to say. Hasn't made it yet. Give him some time. I like the uh, patient optimism that we have to look forward to with the Brooklyn. So that's pretty cool. Our next U.S. Open Cup is going to be away against Sporting Kansas City, and that's kind of terrifying. Round of 16 match on May 25th, which we have so many games in between them that it just seems like that just makes it feel very rough. The players are going to be tired going up against a pseudo-rival. Some people would say a truer rival than even some of the Texas teams. It's pretty wild. So that's one to look forward to. It might be one of those ones where it's going to be hard to watch. But I feel like the Dynamo are on the up and up. So I think it'll be a, a fun game regardless. Yeah, we're Sinski, I think we're catching Sporting at a really good time. They just got absolutely shellacked uh, by Portland in the league, 7-2. to two, um, And they're in a huge slump right now. They they lost Alan Polito, uh, their striker, like at the beginning of the season. I want to say it was in preseason. And he's gone. He's out for the whole season. Uh, Gadi Kinda, one of their creative playmakers, in midfield also went down a couple weeks ago. Even like veteran stalwarts like Graham Zuzi have been in and out of the lineup with various injuries. We're catching them at a good time. SKC is down like I've never seen them down before. I'm excited to catch them like this, especially when it's in their house, because, you know, the blue hell is a hell of a place to play. And um, with a depleted squad um i think i i like our chances going up there i think we got a puncher's chance uh especially the performances we've put in of late i wouldn't bet against us making it into the round of eight yeah and i'm just gonna add on to that they knocked out dallas in this last game so all the more reason for us to go up there with fight and fire and passion and take these guys out and continue our national dominance in the texas version of the u.s open cup <laughs> All right, Kyle. That San Antonio game was uh, pretty boring, but you can't say the same thing about the Nashville game. That was Come one on. of the most oh, supercharged oh. games Come of on. my Dynamo fan life. I have never been more thrilled, never been more excited, never been more pumped. Everything they did, it seemed like, was perfect. Even with the the crazy red card, the my Manny, you called it an orange card. Oh, I yeah. just, I wouldn't change a thing. The boys played incredibly absolutely incredibly scroggins what do you think of that coco goal man i loved it and and what i loved most about that coco goal is that it was set up by memo um hey. so <laughs> in the san antonio game with we, kyle <laughs> in the san antonio game we saw memo with a similar type of interplay exchange in the 18 yard box and he overthought it and he hooked it wide left he just swung at it too hard overhit it and and it really did like it was just a shame and i remember us talking about it going man he he's just in his own head too much this uh against nashville we see a similar setup and he doesn't try and take too many touches he just rips it he just like you can tell it was more instinctual he he wasn't in his head he just let it fly 
and because of the pace he put on that, I mean, Big Joe Willis, he couldn't. I, I love Joe, by the way. Joe, you got done dirty by Houston. We love you. But Joe just couldn't handle it. And, and, and then Coco's right there for the rebound and slaps it in for his first of the season. And, um, dude, that was just great play. That's what I want to see when we're playing that counterattacking, high-pressing style. That's the kind of stuff I want to see. Absolutely. Kyle, you want to chime in on here for real? I would like to, yes. Uh Memo starting that goal made me so happy because you could see him like the vision to him linking up with DQ, the back heel from DQ right back to Memo and Scroggins. You're absolutely right. Memo absolutely lasering that ball made me so happy because all I've wanted to see from our attackers this whole season is to just shoot the freaking ball. Yeah. And I want Sebas to shoot the freaking ball and I want Thor to get his foot on it and shoot the ball. Like, and Memo is just like, yeah, that's absolutely what I'm going to do right now. And he made it so complicated for Big Joe and their defense to, to smother that ball that it just fell perfectly to Coco. Like Memo could have tried to slide it back across the six or look at the PK spot for somebody coming in. And I'm so glad that he just went for it. Mm-hmm. And you could see it. He did that uh, at another point in the game too. He took that weird kind of full volley and actually got a pretty good foot on it and put it on goal. Like I'm so happy that he is just playing in his flow and he is putting the ball on target and he's making things happen. And I think this harkens back to an older episode where we talked about memo and what his best role is. I think him playing behind DQ is really freeing him up to make things happen. He's not the one that's being relied on to create because we have DQ in there making it happen, but Memo can play off of that and he can still float around and be aggressive and be kind of all over the pitch. I'm, I'm really liking his resurgence right now in our midfield and it couldn't come at a better time with Matias Vera kind of on and off and, you know, Coco and DQ doing their thing. So yeah, big props and totally agree. Scroggins. I think Scroggins called him a force multiplier once, and it seemed like that's what he was doing in this game. It was pretty impressive. I have to admit, I, I've given Mimo a lot of trash, but he had a great game. Manny, what were you going to say? I was just going to add that the entire attacking band, like I know we had to kind of bring it down a little bit after we got the red card. You know, Thor came off and we had to make some subs there. But before Thor came off, like that entire attacking, I wouldn't even just say the band because even Memo was getting involved. So that was like five players. You know, we had the uh, DQ playing striker. We had Thor playing striker. Like Coco was moving to the 10. DQ was dropping into the 10. Fafa was, you know, the only one really staying out to the, his his wing. But everyone else was being so dynamic. They mm-hmm. were moving so well. And I think that's one of the things that I loved. And I think it was really uh, represented well in the goal, that first goal, is that everyone seemed like they had been playing together for years. Like, I'll play, I play, you know, uh, kick around sometimes, uh, some league games and stuff like that. And you can tell the teams that have, like, played together outside of just those league games. You can tell when they played together for a long time. And you can tell when they play together, like, they play in other leagues because they just know where everyone's going to be. And that's how that team played. That's how the Dynamo played on on Saturday. Like that front front four or five, they just knew where everyone was going to be. When DQ backheeled it, he knew that someone was going to be there to do something with it. Like, and so just seeing how dynamic they were and the movement and how it was just so fluid and beautiful. The beautiful game. That's that's what I call the beautiful game. <laughs> like it was I Chef's Kiss. Chef's kiss. That's what I have to say. It was great. <laughs> but there was one who may have struggled in that attacking band, Manny. Thor, I don't know what he was doing. Every time the ball was uh, near him, just seemed like he was coughing up some goals. He had a beautiful chance to break his duck. Absolutely beautiful chance. 
a one-time shot, and he kind of whiffs, sort of hits the ball, sort of misses. I'm not sure. I mean, none of the defenders had a chance on it. The keeper didn't have a chance. If he just makes contact, he's got a goal, and probably the weight of the world lifted off his shoulders, and he just missed it. So I I hear what you're saying. I think I think the attacking band looked great, but I still think Sevis has got to be the striker. I think he's got to be. He's got five goals. DQ's got five goals. DQ's the only one. I do... I, I got to say DQ is a false nine is intriguing, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just more of a traditional guy and want to strike the Kyle. Yeah, I think you mentioned the false nine with DQ. I think just to just to kind of defend Thor, maybe slightly. He Please. seemed in this game to be a little bit uncertain of where he should be. You know, at times he was playing as that left winger times. He was playing as a striker. He and DQ at one point were right on top of each other, probably at several points. And so I think there was a little bit of, you know, crisis of where he should be. And, uh, but yeah, he should have put that shot on target. I think that's rust. I think that's, you know, getting game minutes. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this is his first start in the league. So, you know, just kind of getting to that point where he's more comfortable there. I agree with you. I don't, I don't think Sebas should be dropped, um, you know, going forward, but I love that we have rotation and I think he, you know, Thor should continue to get minutes. Um, and he should hopefully put a ball in the back of the net soon. I'd love to see that happen very soon. I would love to see Sebas move the way that the rest of that attacking team was moving, because if he can figure that out, good night or this dynamo attack going to be scary. Scroggins? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see when Sebas comes back in, uh, simply because the the attack we saw against Nashville had no focal point. Um, it was Its focal point was to create chaos. That's why Memo was able to make that run i mean we played essentially a, a 4-1-4-1 type formation but but uh Quintero would drop deep and let runners run off of them and and so it was just chaos and it made it difficult for the backline in nashville to track all those runners but when we have Sevis in there he's shown himself to be a bit more static and and um let less mobile than what we saw out of the attacking five um, that that started against Nashville. So I, I'm really curious to see how how that develops um, because it looked beautiful to me. Like I, I loved what I saw against Nashville, but w- what will it look like when Sebas is a part of that rotation, a part of that squad? Are we going to change our formation? Are we going to change the way that we play? Um, because that was different against Nashville. It just looked different. So Scroggins, let me ask you, do you feel like this is a tactical change or do you think it was just players are tired, players are going to be tired and Naga just trying to rest where he can and then that just be the type of soccer that developed out of it? Do you think it was intentional? I, I think it was pragma- I think it was pragmatic. Uh, I think Nago is being uh, a pragmatist and just working with what he had. Um, it was a brilliant, brilliant stroke uh, because, you know, what I talked about the last episode was the, the fear of not being able to unlock the disciplined defense of Nashville. And just not thinking that we had a chance creator on the squad that could do something like that. Well, the thing that I didn't consider and what Naga apparently thought of, because this is why he gets paid the big bucks, was that the best chance creator that we could have was chaos. And that's what we did. And um, yeah, so I I don't think it was necessarily a new tactic, like um, intentionally implemented, but it's something we definitely stumbled upon that I like. See, I don't I don't know if I think it was a chaotic type of attack. I think there was still a focal point. His name was Darwin Quintero. I think the goal was to get the ball to Darwin, let him do something fancy, put in some flair, 
And then the other players, because of what Darwin does, that creativity that he has on the field, I think that opened up Thor to be a little bit more of a run in behind and Mimo to be aggressive on the wing and Fafa to kind of be over there as well. And I feel like we mentioned this on the Dynabros that players were able to move in and out and around because DQ was pulling defenders. If you watch that game, the way, when he was on the ball and Coco, when Coco was carrying it out, which what an incredible dribbler that man is, they were causing the defense to have some troubles. And I think if Sebis can take advantage of that DQ creativity and they can get out of each other's way, I think we're going to see a lot more pretty goals from those two. Kyle, do you think it's a tactical thing or do you think it was more of that pragmatism that Scroggins was talking about? Uh, Maybe a little bit of both. You know, pragmatic in that we're in a really busy part of the season. You know, we've got like 40 games in the next two weeks or something like that. We're just, (laughs) players are going to be tired. We need to rotate. You know, we're we're talking about, we're going, we're home to Seattle. We want to put a good team out uh, on the field for that game coming up. We're going away to LA Galaxy. We want to take a strong team to SKC for the US Open Cup round of 16. I think Naga just knows we really have to protect these players. And so... Yeah, why not? Why not drop a few? I think he thinks that based on what we've seen, Griffin Dorsey is our strongest right back. He rested him for this game. We rested Sebas. Um, we let DQ kind of play that false nine. You know, I think there's some tactical stuff in there, like DQ playing that kind of shadow striker moving around differently than if Sebas was on the field with him in that same spot. But I, I think it more leans to we just got to rest people and. Uh, you know, hope that our rotation will continue to work well. And I think this week it really showed that it did. Like Manny, what you're talking about, these players looked like they the chemistry was off the charts. I don't know if statistically from this game we can defend that position. I think we, you know, we were down on possession. There were fouls and yellow cards all over the place. It was kind of a wild game, but it seemed like these players were fighting for each other and knew where they were going to be, where they wanted the ball to be. So yeah, I think rotation is a huge part of what's going on right now. And uh, I think Naga's doing a good job. You mentioned Sinski, his subs looked great. I think so too. I think he is really starting to figure out some of the you know game management tactics that we need to be successful. Man, I really hope so. And Manny, I got to ask you, it was kind of a foully game, especially from the Dynamo. Do you like this kind of rough and tough style of soccer that the Dynamo employed? Or deploy? Uh, you better I, say I, yes. <laughs> I, do, are, I do. I do. I like to be. I like to be that the tough guy. Like I love to see Tim Parker get in someone's face, but at the same time, I want to see it done uh, gracefully. Uh, you know, getting getting the red cards not graceful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want to. I want to get in people's face, and I want to. You know, I want to earn those yellow cards. Maybe after two or three fouls. I'm pretty sure Lundy didn't have any fouls called on him before he got the red card. You know, I, I referred to it as a, an orange orange card on the on Dynabros, and I I stick to that. I was so after I watched the replay, um, I watched it again today. Watching that Nick Jonas looking bro, I can't even remember his name. Alex Mule. Alex Mule. There you go. Just ham it up so much because if you watch the replay again, I can totally see why the VAR didn't call it back. Lundy's leg was. Too high. I get that. But he did not catch him with his cleats. Lundy actually was able to like to turn in his leg, his his foot a little bit and pull his cleats out from his leg. He might have clipped them with the back of his heel, maybe. But he hammed it up so much like he was just in an agony 
on on top of agony and it was ridiculous to me i don't like ah, i know you, you know want to sell it i know you want to how sell many it, but... how many dynamo players did the same thing when they went down memo acted like he'd been hit with a <laughs> sledgehammer in the face when the guy slightly backhanded him i mean that's just soccer. It's part of the that's game the it's part of the game i get it but yeah but these fouls are costing us big you know Hadebi, he's out next match because he's gotten so many yellows. Uh, Lundy, he's out next match because of the red. And I think yeah. with the way the ref was giving out cards and calling that game, everything was an infringement. He was being very... We asked for consistency from our refs. I think if he doesn't give a red there, then he's being a little bit inconsistent with the way that he was refing. Kyle, red or sure. orange? Red card for sure. Get out of here. Manny, uh, you said, you said he, he caught him just slightly. You know what he didn't catch at all was the ball. I, d- I did not argue it wasn't a foul. I'm not saying it wasn't a foul. I- it was a it was a com- bad challenge. He came foul. sliding in from like a mile away. He missed the ball completely. Red card. Easy decision. Yes, the player hammed it up and rolled around for five minutes. But easy red card. I don't know what the I don't know what the complaint is here. It was a bad no. tackle. It w- it. I'm not saying it was a good tackle. I just don't think it was. I think it could have gone either way. If it was called a yellow, and I'm trying. Yes, of course, I'm probably a little bit biased. But if it was a yellow, I'd be like, okay, it's a yellow. Like, I don't think they could have been mad if it was just a yellow. That's what I'm saying. Scroggins, I haven't heard your reaction. Red or yellow or no foul at all. Let the boys play. <laughs> no foul. <laughs> no, no foul at all. No, um, I with the way the ref was calling the game, it's a red card. Uh, just because of how easily the ref was handing out those yellows. I mean, he gave Hadibi a, a yellow just for like arguing. Like it's it's so stupid. He gave Clark a yellow because Clark argued. Like they he he was just so card happy that he'd set the standard low, and therefore this one had to be a red to stay consistent. But personally, I don't I don't think that it was a red card. Outside of the context of the game, not a red. Inside the context of the game, with that ref, yeah, I can see why it's a red. And that red card definitely changed the game. The way that we were playing before was so, I want to say, aggressive in the attack. And then the way that we played after, where we were kind of just like long balling it up, trying to play that counter to Fafa. Um, it was very interesting that the team was still able to keep it together. Manny, do you have anything else to add to that? But did it change it for the better? Because, you know, we got another goal and we ended up winning the game. And... You know, they just had less decisions to make on the pitch because it was one less guy they could pass it to, right? So it was just like they could make quicker decisions because there was less decisions to make. I don't know. Maybe it worked out for us. I mean, we didn't have the ball, but we stayed in control. Like, that's that's the way that I saw it. Like, we controlled that whole match. We dictated everything to them. You could tell by the end of the match they were frustrated because they couldn't do anything except for just cross the ball in and hope for the best. You know, CJ Sapong's a big boy, but Tim Parker and Teenage are bigger and uh just dominated yeah. the air i mean like Zapong got over him he got over him and put in one a time. mega header just time. onto the bar that was right. that was a scary moment for me there were some cracks in that second half i don't know if I'm i not, could say for sure better i'm not saying i'm not saying we played a perfect second half but for a 10 man squad 10 man squad to hit him on the counter pick up a goal and also keep them out of the net, man. Like, what more can you ask for? Like that—that's basically everyone's dream scenario when you go down, uh, down a man. Yeah, I agree. I, was, I think I think we played it 
smart. I just think to say that we were in control the whole time is a little over the top. They had a couple moments where it easily could have got a goal back, got another goal back. There was a Tim Par- uh not a Tim Parker scramble, sorry, a Steve Clark scramble where the ball was shot at him. He kind of hit the defender that was also trying to help out. The ball gets loose and they're kind of scrambling for it. He got it, but because he's a stud. But I was nervous. I was very nervous. Kyle, what do you think about the way that they played that second half? Yeah, I will echo Scroggins that although it may not on paper seem like we were winning that half, it felt like we were winning that half. Everybody on the field seemed like they wanted to, um, they wanted nothing more than to keep the shutout. And I thought that our subs came in and played a really big role in that. Um, I want to give some, um, Props that I have yet to give on this podcast to Darwin Sarin. I think the dude played lights out this week. Yes. He put in a shift in the midfield. I think he did exactly what that role needs. He was very good deep lying in our midfield. I thought he supported the center backs really well. And at, at times, that, it was a third center back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, similar to how Matias Vera has set up this season. And I just think that Sarin was also good going forward he played good key passes to the top of the box i don't think he put a foot wrong this game and i think that was really a big part of how um, our team was successful we saw coco get forward really well this game i think um we're just starting to see players click and this game in particular they were fighting for each other and that's why it felt to me like we were never going to lose that second half even when cj sapong heads the ball into the crossbar even when steve clark you know, rallies to get that ball off the goal line. It's it still feels like we're in control there. And I'm yeah, I'm here for that. Yeah, Darwin Sorin is just made to like ruin attacks, whether it's the opposing team or our team. That's just what he does, you know? And uh I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean they they said, you know, during the game and we talked about this before Scroggins mentioned it, Mukhtar. You know, he didn't start the whole game, but he got on the second half. And they were saying that like their play runs through Mukhtar and we were able to he was able to get shots off, but they were all outside the box, if I remember correctly. Like, he was not getting in spaces to be able to finish balls. Like, we were able to shut him down. And you guys are right. Like, even though stati- statistically the numbers were not there for us on, on like, winning any way, like, percentage-wise for possession, 38% to, to 60, uh, 62. Uh, Passing-wise, 74% for us, 85 for them. Like, on paper, we were not the, the better team, you know what I mean? But, like, I also never felt like we were going to lose it, especially after that second goal. Like, it didn't feel like that was going to happen. So that was that was yeah. a great feeling. 100%. I will say I thought we were going to give up at least one. Y'all are made of stronger stuff than me. But like y'all said, there were so many standout players uh, Coco and Teenage, I think, should be up there with the best of them. But this game definitely had unsung heroes. Kyle, you were just talking about Darwin Sarin. None of us expected that to be a name of that would come out of our mouth singing praises to. Scroggins, do you have an unsung hero? I don't want to hear Coco. I don't want to hear Teenage. I want to hear somebody we, we don't normally talk about. There's a lot to choose from. I mean, I, I think if you uh, if you've listened to me talk for any amount of time, you know who I'm gonna say. It's okay. Memo. Let's move on, Manny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Tell, give us a, a moment on Memo. Yeah, I, I think Memo was like in his element 
where he could run around and and uh, just like put himself in dangerous spots and be that kind of agent of chaos. Like I said earlier, he he bounced between playing as a winger and then playing as a high pressing like eight. Um, it was just a good it was just a good setup for him. And you know the the things that he did, the runs that he made, the passes he made, all just really contributed to adding up and and adding to the pressure. I thought he put in a great shift. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if if I was going to pick the unsung hero, though, I as much as I love Memo, I couldn't give it to him. It would have to be Darwin, Darwin Sarin. Okay, Manny, do you agree with this uh, Sarin praise? I I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna echo it. I'll pick so- someone else too here in a second, but I will definitely echo the Darwin Sarin praise. Uh, I said earlier the best thing I can say about Darwin Darwin, golly, is that I completely forgot he was even on the pitch, like. He, he was doing his job and wasn't making mistakes. And so I, I had forgotten that he was even there. It wasn't until like the very end and he had um he had like a back pass when we were trying to hold the ball. He had a back pass to Thor. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, Seren's still on the pitch. I was like, he's still here. <laughs> but that was, yeah, he he did his job and he did it. He did it well. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I know we've already mentioned his name once, but I will say Junka again. He came in. He was the sub for the after the red card and he held his own. You know, no assists or goals this time, but he did what he needed to do. And you um, can't ask for any more than that uh, when someone comes in, you know, cold off the bench from a, a red card getting pulled. So that's great. Yeah. And I I would be remiss if I didn't say that Zeka and Fafa had some really good right wing play. And so I'm going to give Zeka some props. Our, our Brazilian right back, pretty happy with the way that he played. Just pretty wild that they're, as much as I talked about Thor not looking like he was going to score, it just seemed like everyone had such a good game. That's pretty That's pretty exciting to me. Let's uh, wrap up this Nashville talk with one more thing. Kyle, how big of a deal was it that Beto Avila got to make his professional debut? Huge deal, man. I mean, his first professional contract, he's been playing lights out for Dynamo Dose, and he's coming into... The first team at a time where we could really use fresh legs, good rotation. Love to see it. I want to give him praise right at the end of the game. You know, 96 minute stoppage time. Hani Mukhtar cuts into our box and looks like he's about to put a cross in. And Beto Avila is back there hustling, makes a great defensive play, stops the attack. Ref blows the whistle, game over. So I think a huge effort right at the end where we needed him. You know, he plays as a striker, he plays as a forward, and he's back there putting in a shift, covering the right wing. So I think it's awesome that he's getting this time and this chance right now, and I'm hopeful for the best that he can uh, he can make it happen for himself and this team. And with Naga's developmental talents, I'm hoping that we really get to see the best uh, Beto Avila that we can. I'm very excited for this kid's future. Uh, we're about a third of the way done. Uh, with the season and we're on track for 45 points which looks like ninth place if we miss playoffs manny what does that mean for this season good bad indifferent uh you know before we very first episode of the season i predicted a 10th place right now we're on track to hit ninth well the amount of points that ninth hit last season uh so we're right there we got to be honest with ourselves since you said it before we are in a rebuilding phase still whether we want to admit that or not and Moving from last to ninth would be improvement. So improvement is is what we're looking for. Obviously, we all want to make playoffs. We all want to have a chance to to get to the end. But if we're better than we are last season, then that's that's what we need to be looking for. Absolutely, and I think we are far better than we were last season. Last season, I wasn't expecting a single win with the way that they played. This season, 
I'm so hopeful every game. Just absolutely hopeful. Uh, that's going to wrap up the Nashville section. And uh, I think something to worth mentioning is that there's still more change on the way for this team with Hector Herrera still yet to come in. But we did solidify that Coco contract. And I think that that's a pretty special move. We were talking oh, <laughs> we, we were talking last week on the pod about whether or not we should even keep Coco. And then before it even drops, the, the back office says, of course we're going to keep him, you dummies. And producer Ian has to cut in for us. So Scroggins, is he worth the money? Twitter just seems to be a little divided on this. What do you think? Well, Twitter, as you might know, uh, Sinski is full of morons, and um, <laughs> well, I'm there, so <laughs> I mean, case, case uh, point. <laughs> yes, since when does social media know anything? Um, I mean, we're part of the angry mob too, but I think anyone that has seen him play and it. And he's what twenty three, right? Twenty three years old. I'm a young man. Yeah. I mean, and we paid two mil. Like I'm in every time. I think it's stupid not to buy him. And even if we aren't able to sell him on and make a profit, we're still going to get a two million dollars worth of playing out of him. You know? Yeah, I think this game alone, we went down a man, but he played worth two in my opinion. The way he was out there, he mm-hmm. he was running through everyone. If Jake were on this pod right now, he would call him a dribble god. Mm-hmm. How many times did he post that in our in our uh, group chat? So, <laughs> a so lot. Jake, sorry you couldn't make it. I'll say it for you. That's what he was. He was he was running through players. It was incredible to watch, and I think he was just making a statement, saying, "Yes, MLS, I'm here to stay, and I'm one of the better players here. And when Hector gets here, the two of us are going to be the most dominant midfield in the league." Kyle. What do you think? Totally agreed. I can't wait for HH to get here. He had his his send off at Atletico. That was and, sad. Uh, man, we are we are getting close. The countdown is on, boys, and it could not be you know more perfectly timed with Coco starting to really like believe in himself. You're starting to see Coco like realize that he's the best midfielder on the field, and he's just going to start running past people. It's like watching a you know varsity player go up against like an eighth grade team you know like the dude is just <laughs> he's so talented and he's starting to realize his place in the midfield and what he's capable of on the ball and i can't wait to see him partner up with hh see how dq floats around in front of them see how memo rotates in that midfield like it's it's an exciting time here in houston yeah and i'm excited to see how that goal affects his decision making in the final third we've he's been a little timid a little not sure if he should shoot or if he should pass does that goal make him shoot a little bit more because i'm ready to to see some Coco Worldies. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the rival watch. Dallas and Austin both played. And uh, we'll start with Dallas. Manny, got anything on that game? Yeah, they beat uh, LA Galaxy 3-1. But before that, they've lost to Sporting Kansas City 4-2. So I think that's where we should really focus. You know, it's like, why do, why dwell on anything that makes us feel bad? Let's just dwell on the things. It. You love yeah. to see it. You hate to see it, but more than that, you love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, yes, it was four-two. Uh, uh, you know, that's a that's a trouncing. That's for sure. I I'm g- grateful for that. You know, beating LA Galaxy. That's a that's a big team. You know, they're they're a good team. And so getting you know beating those guys three-one like that. That's uh, that is a decent win. And uh, not not a fan of that for sure. So Dallas is a uh, Dallas is looking like trouble. I'm going to say it again. We should have brought in Paul Ariola. That's our biggest question mark position. Ugh. It makes me so sad that he wears the red and the blue instead of the orange and black. Let's move on to Austin. 
Uh, they're on back-to-back losses. Scroggins, isn't that the best thing in the world? I love it. Uh, that's great. I hope they keep losing forever and ever. Amen. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I want us to introduce uh, promotion relegation in the MLS just so Austin can get relegated. And uh, after that, I don't care what happens. So <laughs> yeah, they lost RSL and in uh, LA Galaxy. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I'm just glad, and I hope it continues. And that's our, our rival watch. We are the Texas champions of the United States uh, Open Cup, and we will maintain that for forever. Texas forever. I still think at the end of this season, we will be the highest-ranked Texas team. I think Austin and Dallas will fall apart. I don't believe in them. I do believe in the Houston Dynamo. Amen. And now we're going to look forward at our match against Seattle. They've got a pretty decent full lineup. And they're coming off of the first MLS team to win the CONCACAF Champions League, which is pretty impressive. And we were all Seattle fans for a night. But now there are hated enemies. And I want to know, one, why I'm so afraid of them. And two, how we can beat them. Scroggins, feel free to answer either of those questions. Man, they're really good. And uh, I mean, even even missing Zhao Paulo, who would launch freaking rockets from from deep in the midfield, uh, even missing him. They have a next man up mentality and they can just slot Albert Rusnak right into the lineup and he would start on our 11 and he's warming the bench. Kellen Rowe is on the bench right now and he would start. He'd be in our starting 11. Um, Christian Roldan looks really good. Uh, Jordan Morris. Oh, yeah. man. Man, yeah, none of that was. Yeah, that was probably eighty percent. The worst screamer of all time, for sure. But, but still a screamer. Still <laughs> he a did not have to do that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, Roldan looks good. Lodero ha- has been terrorizing the league for a while now. Raul Ruiz Diaz. If you don't know his name, you should. I mean, they're they're terrifying. Um, you got Christian's little brother uh, Alex Roldan on the right wing that makes incredible runs. Like the dude has like seven hearts and eighteen lungs. Like he just doesn't stop running and he can cross the ball in beautifully. This team can attack you from everywhere. They're really well coached. Uh, Brian Schmetzer, their, their manager is just uh, very pragmatic and very smart. He's a fantastic tactician. This team is the real deal. I think this is a great litmus test for us. If we want to be the team that we want to be, um, we're going to have to hang with teams like Seattle. So this is this is a great time to to test us and see what we're made of. So it's a little litmus test, no big deal. When I look at their record, they're three, one, and five. That gives me a lot of hope. Manny, does that do anything for you? Uh, yeah, Sinski, that three, one, and five is a lie. You mentioned the Champions League earlier, and that is why we're seeing that three, one, and five. I don't believe that is truly indicative of their form. They had to do a lot of rotating, uh, you know, and the players during that time when they were running the run up to the final. Um, <clears throat> and that was their focus. Their, their focus was on getting to the final. Uh, they were doing well. They wanted to be able to say they were the first MLS team to win it. We know that the Sounders in general, when it comes to the MLS, they, they're a historic team, right? That they want to be and they want to be in the names of uh, of historic teams for MLS and just becoming that first MLS team to win the Champions League is is going to cement that even more. And so that was their focus. The league, they're like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna play our league games. We're gonna put the rotation players in during the league games, and we have time to make it up. They won their last game three one against Minnesota. I I agree with Chris uh, that we are gonna be playing a team that is that is difficult. It's definitely gonna be a litmus test. But yeah, the three one five again, it's a lie. 
it's it's it doesn't reassure me in any way really so you're saying there's no chance it's it's a <laughs> there's always a ch- there's always a chance i remember a young man by the name of manny who said that we would lose to nashville 4-1 and then i remember this other <laughs> younger more handsome man who said nay will win one zero and the dynamo said you're both fools we'll win two zero i'm not giving up on this team and i don't think seattle has what it takes to go up against our best on our best day maybe maybe on our not best day they win easily but if we can play like we played against nashville where everyone wants to score where every defender is defending where we get our head on every aerial ball and get it out of there. Even Fafa, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, on a good day, jumped up and knocks the ball out of our own box. I believe in this team. When a guy that small can jump as high as Tim Parker, as teenage Hadebi, and has that much fire that late in the game, Seattle, Seattle's not going to know how Dynamo just knocked him off their feet. I'm not going to know I how wish, they did it, but it's going to happen. I wish I could believe like you. Uh, maybe one day I'll be that hopeful. Let's just all remember this moment when Seattle are going up against Liverpool in the Club World Cup final. That's right. <laughs> right after coming off of a thrilling loss away to Houston Dynamo. I, I hope that loss wakes <laughs> them up the and they're able to really sock it right to, to Liverpool. I can't wait for that to happen. <laughs> Liverpool. So I need some score predictions in this Seattle game. You guys are talking a lot of mess. Kyle, you go first. Mm, I'm going to say 2-2. Two, two. Okay, at least we score. I like that. Yeah, we we don't we don't drop all points. We uh, hold off into a thrilling two two draw, and uh, you know I think that's a good result against Seattle. That sounds pretty good to me, Manny. How bad do you think we lose this game by? Um, I'm gonna say we keep it tight. Two uh, one, a two one loss, um, and I think that we see some rotation. I think that what we see as our normal attacking band probably comes in. So Sebas back in, Fafa back in, and uh, maybe. Pasher or Baird, but probably not Baird uh, back in. So we'll see. Well, you know what? Maybe they turn that 2-1 defeat you're claiming into a 3-1 victory like they did with the Nashville game. Uh, Scroggins, I need yours. Uh, yeah, I think we lose against Seattle 1-0. Uh, I think Seattle rotates. They put in some of their bench squad. I think Will Bruin is probably going to score against us. Um, the curse no, of the no. He's going to play with the chip on his shoulder. Uh, this is just a game that's made for him. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's 1-0 uh, Seattle. Okay, well, we beat a former Dynamo player at Nashville, uh, well, against Nashville at home, and we're going to beat a former Dynamo player in the Seattle squad. Bruins not beating us. I think we win 2-1. I think so kind of reverse what Manny said. He said we lose 2-1. I think we'll win 2-1. I think Sebis starts, and I think he scores. I think Fafa scores again, and I think uh, Rui Diaz, uh, I think he scores as well. I think that happens for sure. That guy's just, he's like scary in the attack. Every time I watch a Seattle game, like the camera only, every time the camera's on a player, it's on him because he's doing something. He's like, he's a machine. So I think he'll score. But we'll get two, and that's all all that matters. We win it. So that's the Seattle game. Our schedule is so tight, so busy, that we also have a game against the Galaxy just a few days later. On Saturday, and you know, LA Galaxy's kind of been a hit or missy team this year. They either win or they lose, it feels like. And I'm hoping against us, they lose. Kyle, do you think uh, there's anything that kind of sways it in our way, our favor? I don't know, Sinski. It's a tough one. We're going away 
to the galaxy during a uh, very busy period. I think if there was a game to rotate, this is probably going to be the one. You know, we're home to Seattle, and then we've got a really big game the next week against Sporting Kansas City. So this Galaxy game is kind of wedged right in the middle there. They're a tough team. You know, they're experiencing a pretty good success this season. They're fourth in the Western Conference, 19 points. Chicharito's got five goals, just like Sebas and DQ. Douglas Costa's two goals on the season. That guy, I said it at the beginning of the season, I said he's going to be a problem. He's shaping up to not be quite as big of a problem as I thought he would, but man, that dude is still miles better than most people on the soccer field. So it's, you know, it'll be a tough game. I think if we're going there with the, uh, I think we should be going there with the intention of taking points away from them, trying to get a draw on the road, sitting tight defensively, really just trying to frustrate them. You know, let Tim Parker just just absolutely haze the crap out of Chicharito, and you know, <laughs> see see how well we can frustrate them into dropping points. Uh, I would be totally pleased to come off of these two games against Seattle and the Galaxy with two points. Um, I would love to see some W's on the board, but it'll be tough. And hopefully we just don't lose any players to injury and we can come back healthy for the uh, Sporting Kansas City game in the Open Cup. Yeah, LA is is absolutely the man united of, of the MLS. Somehow they are worse than the sum of their parts. And um, Vanny's trying to turn them around, but they still got some of that stink on them. They, okay. you know, they, they, have, they have a lot of talent, but they just don't play together. They haven't meshed yet as a team. When they do, they're going to be absolutely terrifying. Right now, they're hit or miss. They live and die by Chicharito, and he, you know, is as capricious as the wind. So, um, yeah. Former Manchester uh, United player. Like I said, they got some of that man you stink on them. And so I, I think that's going to play to our benefit. A team, a team that's run by money and since he's not a fan of them, that's wild. I don't understand that. <laughs> how does that happen? That's not how I choose my teams faithful. Just, uh, says the Yankees fan moving on. <laughs> You're trying to kill my Twitter follower account here. <laughs> I also like the Astros. Uh, go Houston. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so LA Galaxy. Scroggins says they're less than the sum of their parts, but Kyle says that they're terrifying. Manny, you said we wouldn't get a single win in May, or maybe just one against San Antonio. Do you predict a win in LA Galaxy, or are you also going to tell me it's hopeless? Since Gadden said the Seattle game was hopeless, I just said that it's not likely. It's the same thing with Galaxy. 2-1 defeat, Faithful. That's what he said. It's it's the same it's same thing with Galaxy. It's it's not hopeless. It's just not likely. Uh, away to LA Galaxy, you know those guys are uh, they're they're always a problem. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but we used to be owned by some of the same people, LA Galaxy and the Dynamo. So there's I always actually this, know that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So there's always been this like big brother, little brother mentality. Um, we were always the little brother because they weren't spending money on us like they were on the big brother. And so you know <clears throat> when every time we play them. I always have that in my head. I, I want to win. Like I want to, they're a team that like, I mean, obviously I want to beat every team, but they are a team when we play, like I want to beat them and I want to beat them well. And it's just not been a thing for the last few years that, that we've been able to do. Um, that said, are you, are you asking for predictions already? Do you want my score? Yeah, I want it. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with probably, I'm going to go with a tie on this one. I'll be a little more, a little more hopeful here. I'm going to go one, one away at galaxy. Okay, Scroggins, what do you think? I think um, what happens is uh, Naga calls in uh, Brad Davis 
And actually, he calls in the whole squad from the 2011 and 2012 seasons. They call all of them in, and they give the pep talk. They they give the pregame speech, and uh, they they recall in in the hearts of our dynamo the the passion and the hatred and the fire from those back-to-back mls cup losses to the la galaxy and and that spurs us to win a close hard-fought match one nothing dang i like hearing that that's nice one zero victory with a with a brad davis uh rally call kyle how do you top that I can't top that, so I'll just be the bummer and I'll say one nil loss. Oh, boo, boo. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. I'm not sure how we win against LA Galaxy away, except like I said, that they either win or they lose this season. And I'm hoping that we can get that same kind of energy we had in that Nashville game, especially if we are rotating and we're playing the players that we played this week and we're trying that super solid defense with the crazy attack. Shoot, I think we get one by them. I think we can score one. And I think we can hold them off. I think our defenders on their best days are top-class MLS defenders. If they can play together and on their best days, I think we're okay. I think we're fine. Galaxy doesn't scare me. Not at all. Okay, and that's going to wrap up our predictions. We're going to move forward with the end of our podcast here. We always do something really fun, and one of these goons decided we should choose an actor to portray our favorite MLS player, past or current, in their biopic. I always thought it was called a biopic, but Manny assures me it's a biopic. You guys <laughs> decide who's right there. And we know it's the Sinsky man. So, Manny, why don't you go ahead and tell us who plays your favorite MLS player in their biopic? Uh, well, I've said this player's name at least one other time before, but Zlatan. Uh, but Zlatan plays Zlatan. So uh, <laughs> that's not really not really a choice there. <laughs> you can't compare lions to humans. That's fair. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> So, so moving on, my current favorite player is going to be uh, a little man you guys might know by the name of Coco Karaskia. So that's my pick. And Jaden Smith is is going to be the guy playing him. Uh, they're on the same age. Uh, they they <laughs> they can uh, have the same kind of hair. Jaden can grow that hair out. He's a he's a perfect pick. He's a pretty good actor. Uh, How dare you? How dare you do this to Coco? <laughs> he, oh, I know. I'm sorry. He I was going to say. As an old man, as an old man, I don't know if I feel good about picking Jaden Smith because that guy is like <laughs> everything I hate about young 20 people because I'm an old man. Um, but other than that, I think he's a perfect fit for the role. So Jaden Smith, you got it, but you got the part. <laughs> Scroggins, who wins the Oscar for you? Um, I think uh, if we're talking about my favorite MLS player, then uh, Don Cheadle. Uh, playing Boniac Garcia would be a good <laughs> shout. Uh, I also like Jack McBrayer of 30 Rock fame playing Brad Davis. I think that would be a good shout as well. Um, but if we're talking about who wins my Oscar, it's early 2000s Russell Crowe playing Graham Zuzzi. That's a real Oscar winner. Oscar That's winner Russell Crowe as Graham Zuzzi. I could picture Zuzzi saying, are we not entertained? That'd be pretty dope. That's exactly what he does after he after he scores that goal against Panama in in uh, 2013. You remember those days? That's that's oh, what he does. Yeah, I do 100%. remember that. My friends uh, called him Santo Zussi uh, because of that goal. I'll never forget. What about you, Kyle? Who you got for us? So I'm gonna also pick a Dynamo player of, of old. I'm going to go Brian Ching, one of my favorite Dynamo players of all time. And to play on the Hawaiian roots here, I'm going to pick my favorite Disney Channel original movie, and I'm going to go with the actor that played Johnny Tsunami. 
that guy is going to play Brian Ching in my biopic. Or okay. as a close second, Dwayne The Rock Johnson could also fill in. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Very we don't know that guy's name. Right. You're missing yeah. this one, Kyle. I want you to think back, real far back, to your early 90s. And F- Dynamo Faithful in your mid to late 30s, I want you all to think back to, to the old Ninja Turtles movies, to, to another movie called Surf Ninjas. There's a young man by the name of Ernie Reyes Jr. Look him up. He's a 3-0 and in Strike Force back in his day. This guy was like in every kid's martial arts movie there was. And he's not Hawaiian, but he is Filipino descent. He's he's an American, but I think his parents were from the Philippines. And that's Pacific Islander, right? Similar regions. I don't know how far away they are. The Pacific Ocean is pretty large. But that should be the guy playing Brian Ching. Could you imagine, like, martial arts soccer? If they haven't made that movie, they need to. <laughs> they have <laughs> made they that made- movie. It's called Challenge oh. Soccer. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. But Sinsky, how did you pull this out of your brain? How did you, like, where? Where did you no one, store No this? one should be surprised. That He's dropping knowledge on us, like, hardcore. Uh, actually, I was looking up Ernie Reyes Jr. earlier on last week. I don't remember why, but uh, he's just a guy that pops into my head all the time. He was going through, like, a liver or kidney issue, and I wanted to see if he ever pulled out of that. And I th- it's good. He got himself a transplant. So... Just, I just thought, what? <laughs> weirdest, weirdest tangent the show has ever produced. <laughs> and if you haven't watched Surf Ninjas, man, I watched that every Saturday night for probably two years at my cousin Michael's house. It was that or the Giver, not MacGyver, the guy who like diffuses bombs with paper clips. The Giver, look it up. Wild <laughs> movies. My pick would be uh, Zimmerman. I'd like to see a biopic on him, and I would love it to be played by Hulk Hogan. But not today's Hulk Hogan. I want 1980s Hulkamania. Rip the shirt off. You know, like the Sinsky man takes his shirt off. I want I want that Hulk Hogan. You know, brother. I want to yeah, see brother. that. Oh, does yeah. That, does Holy that God. mean that yeah, does that mean for the scenes when he's on the national team, Miles Robinson is being played by Mr. T? Yes. That's perfect. <laughs> that would be so money. We need to travel back to the 80s with these boys and like. Just go to Hollywood and make it happen. Wow, that would be a dope movie. And you know what? That's going to wrap it up here on the Dynamo Faithful Podcast. We don't know why you guys tune in, but we are grateful that you do. We love the Dynamo. We love you guys. Stay faithful. Thank you for listening to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast. We are Chris Sinski, Manny Farcier, Christopher Scroggins, Jake Berry, Kyle McGuire, and Emmett Rumfield. Dynamo Faithful is produced by Ian Gregory Graff and marketing and social media from Zach Polo. Music provided by Alex Grohl on Pixabay. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at dynamo underscore faithful and send your questions to dynamofaithfulpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay faithful. Ernie Reyes Jr. As soon as you see his face, you'll remember him because he was in everything. He, I think he played, he, uh, if I, my research tells me correctly, he was like Donatello's stunt guy 
in the second movie. He's in the second movie. You'll remember with the nunchucks, like he yeah, plays. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, he is. I do remember him in the I second movie. I just love how far into this tangent you got. You started going into his liver transplant, and then your cousin Michael's <laughs> house. Cousin Michael's <laughs> house. <laughs> I'm just when you were getting deeper and deeper. Since, when you said Johnny Tsunami, how Hawaiian connection? I had to see if Ernie Reyes Jr was hawaiian and it said he was filipino and then i was like i don't care still fits Sinsky was living the dream every weekend in in the late 90s apparently my cousin so. michael's house was the place to be let me tell <laughs> producer uh, so, so it's biopic you didn't mistype that biopic yes okay i think that's completely incorrect i'll read it again <laughs> but this is under duress <laughs> 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 All right. One more time.